This podcast is brought to you by CEW Plus at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Plus Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan's Center for the Education of Women Plus in our podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. Thank you for joining me on this call today to share your experiences related to the coronavirus. The purpose of this project is to capture stories of how the coronavirus has impacted your life, including challenges, moments of pride, and strategies for others to learn from. The main audience for this podcast will be students who have child or elder care responsibilities so that they can hear stories of others to assist as they navigate self-care and the care of themselves and the care of loved ones. Um, Could you please introduce yourself and then describe your old normal and how that has shifted as a result of COVID-19? Sure. So I'm Ellen Judge Gonzalez, and I work on the Dearborn campus. I direct the SOAR program where we provide support opportunities, advocacy, and resources for non-trad students finishing their degrees. I also teach in language, culture, and communication, and also in liberal studies. I've been married for a million years. I've got two adult children and a old dog that I love. And I, this has really upended a lot of things for me, just like it has for everyone else, dealing with the repercussions of COVID on multiple levels. But I think that in some ways there have been some silver linings, too, and I'm trying to remain cognizant of what those are and uh, just help to try to do all that I can do to support other people while still taking good care of myself and my family uh, throughout this process. I think a lot of us feel that way. Can you describe a bit about how your concerns for your students have shifted as a result of COVID? Sure, yeah. I think that we've gone from, we initially had a strong academic focus the first couple weeks that we were transitioning to remote learning, wanting to make sure that everybody had access to the technology that they needed and understood how to use it. So that was our main focus and just adjusting to that rapid shift, that rapid change. And then we sort of segued from that into concerns about everybody's health and well-being and also concerns about their financial health and those experiences that they might have around trying to provide for themselves and their families. A lot of our students, while they're pursuing their degrees, are working in industries that were really hit hard by COVID. So many have experienced job loss or job reduction. And so they're finishing classes at the same time that they may be caring for elder parents and worried about loved ones, they may have children at home that are now having to be homeschooled. And so they've got a lot of pressures on their plate. And so what we do in stores, we try to identify what the needs are that the students have and see how we can assist with any or all needs. And some of the stuff we do is just really lighthearted and, and uh, meant to encourage people and up, uplift their spirits. Like we started a coffee chat hours that my um, program assistant Becky hosts in the morning where people can chime in at a virtual platform and just have coffee as if we were still at the university. This evening, we're doing our first fireside chat based upon the fireside chats that were done during the depression, where we're going to have a, an evening sort of gathering uh, in a virtual space with students. We've been posting ways to support one another on Canvas. And one of the things we did was everybody share a photo of your study space that you created or share some strategies that you're doing for coping. We've got one now where we're sharing memes of, about parenting and having kids at home, seeing who can come up with the funniest meme. And so it's a very serious situation, but we're also trying to insert some gentle humor and just sort of continue to build community with one another as best we can. 
Yeah, now for those students who aren't a part of SOAR, what would you recommend to keep them connected and to keep them focused on their schoolwork during this period? I guess I would recommend what I'm kind of trying to do myself, which is, I mean, just like everyone, I think we can go into the vortex of worry and concern, and that's only natural because we've never experienced anything like this. But I find it's really helpful to stick to a routine and to try to also stay connected. I listened to a podcast the other day by astronaut Scott Kelly, and he talked about being up in space and isolation for a long period of time and the importance of having a routine every day. And I, and I see this with a lot of our SOAR students, too, because they have other responsibilities, so they're kind of used to sticking to a routine and, you know, getting up and having breakfast and simple things, taking a shower, getting ready for the day, getting your workspace ready, finding, designating certain times for study hours, and also being careful to not try to multitask too much. I don't find that sometimes it's easier just to sit down with that one paper you have to write and focus on that instead of trying to attend to your other assignments and figuring out, you know, those kinds of strategies. And then I think it's important to stay connected to your classmates, and there's multiple ways that you can do that. And also, I think the biggest thing is to reach out for help. A lot of us, no matter what our age or uh, level of education that we're currently in with our studies, it's really important that we connect with one another and reach out for help when we need it, reach out for support when we need it, ask the questions that we don't know or understand, ask professors if we don't know or understand things, seek out resources. Now is not the time to hold back and try to handle everything on our own because we're not alone in this and we can reach out and access resources and get support and help from other people. Yeah, what would you say, those are great suggestions, by the way, things that all of Thanks. us can learn from. What has yeah. been your greatest personal challenge as you've transitioned from work, as you're transitioning how you support students? Well, I was listening to an interesting podcast yesterday by Brene Brown, which is about overdoing it. So I have a tendency when there's a crisis, personally, to jump into hyper mode and stay in hyper mode. It's my way of coping, and there's some advantages to coping that way, but there are certainly some disadvantages that can burn out. So I've had to recognize that I have to pace myself, and I have to take time for myself to do the things that help me, like meditating daily and going for long walks, and even just taking usually two, three times out of the day, I'll just stop and take 10 or 12 deep breaths and just try to clear my mind and stay present and focused in the moment because <clears throat> my tendency is to want to keep doing, 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 doing. And I think that could potentially backfire on me if I didn't slow it down a little bit. So I am trying to practice being really intentional in how I move through my day and to the best of my abilities. I think the biggest challenge for me outside of that is just I have elderly parents. I have kids that live out of state. Um, both my kids are impacted by COVID by virtue of their profession. And I have a lot of family members in healthcare who are working uh, here in the Beaumont system in particular, who are on the front lines. And so that those are the kinds of things I think about. It's, it's who's, who's really on the front lines of this and being impacted by it. How can I keep people safe? How can I, how can I contribute to keeping the people that I care about safe? Sure, yeah, I've heard that also from a lot of students who have elderly parents sure. in different states, especially in New York, who are unsure how to stay connected to them. How are you staying mm -hmm. connected with your parents and with family members that are living out of state or out of the out of the area where it's safe to travel? 
Sure, yeah. Well, we're trying different things and with more success than others because, um, you know, technology doesn't always work the way that you want it to work. But we've had um, virtual happy hours and virtual family time where we connect with our kids and their significant others. And we actually played some games called, it's called Jackbox TV. And they're these fun, kind of easy to do quip games or time games. And you, you log in on a computer using like Google Hangouts or Zoom. And then you use your phones as devices to play the games. And so that's been kind of fun to do those kinds of things. And then a lot of FaceTime and um, our daughter's still uh, working. She's a physician in Atlanta, so she'll call us on her way home from work. We'll connect that way. And, and I'm constantly bugging my uh, son who works for Delta. He's working from home. I must ask 10 technology questions for him a day. So And we do a lot, you know, texting and sending memes and things like that back and forth and then my husband's family is all in California so a lot of yeah a lot more in it's interesting is we're all texting but we're also much more so than usual connecting so that we can see people's faces whether that's FaceTime Google Hangouts Zoom or some other you know technology we really want to see people uh, yeah I think that's a human need that we have right now so I want to see your face yeah and have that connection you know, if you could think of one positive thing that has surfaced as a result of COVID, what would that be? I think there are a lot of realities out there that we can sort of focus on. And one of the, in addition to all the sadness and despair and those kinds of things that are going on, there's this big, huge wave of collective kindness towards one another. And I see that on so many levels. I see it on a global level and a national level and a local level and I see it in abundance in my own U of M community and I'm so just excited to see that you know as a result of this we're really focusing on the students and the students are focusing on their interactions with us and it, it's a an increased level of kindness and communication and positivity that I think is needed and I'm hoping that we can bottle it and keep it and release it again after we get through this crisis so that we can continue to approach one another with such kindness. Yeah, I love that. that that's the positive thing. I've noticed that as well on the Ann Arbor campus. Dearborn, there's always yeah. been a sense of, you know, students come first and we can always rally around students on the Dearborn campus. But I'm seeing the, yeah. a lot more across uh, the very decentralized Ann Arbor campus as well, where different units are willing to partner now to get emergency to fun, funds to students. And those conversations yeah, are just happening more often of doesn't matter what pot it's coming from. Let's just get the money to students and we'll figure out tracking in it, you know, in some way. Yeah, it's like seeing our collective humanity all of a sudden, like, whoa, <laughs> these are real people, right? Right. Yeah, they're just not stats. Yeah. 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 So in all that you've accomplished in this period, what are you most proud of um, in having navigated this situation? I think that I'm proud of our the students I interact with who I have in my regular LCC classes, a mix of traditional age and non-traditional age students. And so those students and also the four students that I interact with, I'm just really proud of their resiliency and their sense of community, their willingness to work hard, their patience with me as I'm pretty comfortable in an online environment, but I've still had a lot of much to learn and they've been incredibly patient. So I'm proud of all of the students. I, I think for me personally, I, I, I'm more grateful, I guess, 
I'm proud. I'm really grateful to just everyone who's out there on the front lines and public service or even in government making tough decisions that everybody doesn't always agree with, people who are working around the clock. And so, yeah, I, I feel a sense of gratitude and just a sense of pride in the, in the students. I'm trying to end in every interview with recommendations for other people as well, just staying at home and passing time. If you could yeah. name one TV show, movie, podcast, book, YouTube video, or other content, recipe, anything that you would recommend others, what would it be? <laughs> so, so I have to limit it to one, Tiffany, because there's so many good things going on. I love to cook and everything. I'm tempted to toss out some recipes, but something that I've really been inspired by, though, is this music movement called Playing for Change. I don't know if you've heard of that, but Playing for Change is this music movement where there's this core group of artists from across the globe who who get together and they produce these beautiful songs. They're usually doing remakes of sort of classic songs and they're soulful songs or spiritual songs. Not really and like bluesy, almost southern rock type stuff a lot of the time. But anyways they they're do they're doing this in different locations and they're pieced together and they're just beautiful. They did a a song I mean they do like classics like Lean on Me or the song The Wait from a group called The Band. And so I've been following them on YouTube and listening to, I, I'm really inspired and motivated and moved by music. So I've been listening to a lot of music. In fact, I even did a Canvas post for the students on share the music that you're listening to right now um, as a way to sort of build community. So I'm learning a lot about what they're listening to too. All right, what would your second one be? It sounds like you've got a lot lined up. <laughs> I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of med- meditation podcasts. I, I, I've been a vegetarian and mostly vegan for over 30 years. And so I do a lot of, you know, how to eat healthy and what kinds of things to do to sort of build up your immune system. And also kind of it's the stuff I normally, I try to listen to some of the stuff I normally listen to. So it's not everything focused on uh, what's happening right now and try to keep a sense of normalcy. And I like to just look through old cookbooks and make recipes. I've been making these depression era recipes. So there's this thing called depression cake. Um, which is based upon great depression, not um, the feeling of, of depression. But there, there's a cake made without egg, no eggs, no butter, no sugar, no cream, no milk. Um, you can just make it with just the everyday ingredients that you have. And so I like to putz around with recipes like that. I hadn't made goulash in years, and that was a sort of a depression-era thing because you could have noodles and things. So I made a big pot of goulash the other day, and we pretty much devoured that. So I, I, I like history. So I always look back into history. And, and Yeah, so cooking, baking, listening to music, reading a book called Buddha's Brain. Just trying to, yeah, enjoy things outside of work and worry. Yeah, you seem to be taking a much more educational approach than I am, which would be watching really bad Netflix series like Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard the Tiger King thing. Recently... I watched all the Hobbit movies and all the Lord of the Rings movies over a period of like several nights because my husband and I kept falling asleep like halfway through because they're really long movies and eating a fair amount of junk food and, you know, watching the Hobbit. So no, you're not alone. Yeah. Do you think it's a coincidence that you're choosing depression era food to cook? Well, I think that I'm comforted by my memories of my grandmother who lived through the Depression and who did cool things like save every little piece of tinfoil. And I find myself saving the tinfoil now and kind of was sort of chuckling because it takes me back to that security of being, you know, with her. And she was the person who really taught me a lot about baking and cooking. And so I feel like part of me goes back to those memories. I don't know. There is this weird thing about even with all this going on, I do have this sense of calmness and slowing down that reminds me from of being a kid when things were simpler 
And so I'm sort of riffing off of that, I guess, with my baking and cooking these days. Comfort food. Planning to do mashed potatoes today. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or an inspiring message you'd like to leave the podcast with? Oh, wow. So, I, you know what? I don't have a particular quote that comes to mind, but we had one opportunity to go back into our offices a couple weeks back to grab anything that we felt that we needed. And so, in addition to grabbing some things that I actually needed, we have a sign that our program assistant, Becky, bought a long time ago that just says, keep calm and graduate. And so, I brought that sign home because I was feeling, thinking about the students who are graduating who aren't going to be able to walk or do commencement, and I was also thinking about wanting to help students, you know, get through, stay focused, get through to graduation. So I took that sign. I have it sitting on my desk now. It's like one of those, just like a dollar short sign or whatever. It says, keep calm and graduate. So that's what I guess I'd want to put out there to all of the students and all of those of us involved in supporting the students is like stay focused on the goal despite everything. Because I think for me, this is kind of personal. I think the most fundamentally supportive American thing that we can do right now is try to be as productive as we can in our daily lives. So if you're a student, you're helping students, or that's your role, let's stay focused on that larger goal because the pandemic is going to be past us at some point in time, and we want to keep students moving forward. So, yeah, so just keep going and graduate. Nice. I love it. Excellent. Thank you so much for participating in this interview. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk with you. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW+, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW+, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women and all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW+, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the three fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Odawa, and Potawatomi.